Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's word to be empowered and challenged today. Good morning, church. How y'all doing this morning? All right. If you're new here, my name is uh, Cody and I serve as one of the leaders here. And if you're new here, I would just like to say welcome to our church. Welcome to New City. Uh, We are God's blended family. And we gather together to joyfully worship King Jesus. Uh, Our senior pastor name is Pastor John. And I'll tell you a little bit about Pastor John. Um, He and I are are, are good friends. And one of the things that I noticed about pastors is um, they like to share their favorite books. And so one of Pastor John's favorite books is called uh, Atomic Habits. And the book is all about building healthy habits and how to analyze your existing habits. And sometimes it's good to stop and ask ourselves, why do I do what I do? Sometimes we just uh, do them and we don't even know why. Uh, We just do it. And so as we are approaching Resurrection Sunday, it would be good for us to Think about these moments that we share together. What do these moments mean to us? Why do you come to church? If your neighbor was to uh, see you every Sunday morning and say, my goodness, last Sunday got up, went to church, this Sunday go to church. What's going on here? Why do you go to church? Do you just do it because it's merely one of your Sunday morning habits? Or is there something else? Why are we here? You got out of bed this morning. You said I have to make it there on time, right? Why do you come to church? Maybe you're here this morning because your parents used to take you to church when you was a child. And you were probably too young to know what going on, but you sort of sense that they got something out of it. And so you're here this morning to sort of reconnect with family tradition. Some of you uh, might have uh, come this morning because you are going through something and you feel the need to hear a word from the Lord. You're salivating for uh, a sample of the Lord speaking to your specific situation. Sometimes we come to church when we are facing a problem we just can't fix. And this psalm that we're about to read, it sort of starts off like that. It starts off like a lament, like a person who is praying and seeking God during their time of trouble. However, the overall flow of this psalm transitions to a more confident expectation. You see, the problem is something has taken the psalmist away from corporate worship. Something has uh, captured his attention. Something has caused him to drift off into a desert. Something has prevented him from being in church. But the psalmist is confident that the Lord will bring him back. To the sanctuary. This psalm is attributed to David, 
And David compares life without uh, uh, worshiping God with others to a dry land with no water. When you go without water long enough, after a while, you get real thirsty. And David noticed that it is vital to his existence that he drinks of God's faithful love with others. The psalmist recognizes that his soul is suffering from spiritual dehydration. And that if he goes too long without drinking of the water of life, he will die. So, while seeking God and salivating for fellowship with other believers, in verse 1, David prays, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfied me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Spirit of the living God, as we approach the study of your word, we ask that you would fall fresh on the hearts, minds, and souls of your people. God, would you speak to us, encourage us, build us up, lift us up to be the people that you've called us to be, even now in this season. It is in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As a deer pants for springs of water, so my soul longs for you, O oh God. A little girl began to ask her parents if she could go into the room alone with her newborn baby brother. And her parents was a little worried about that. They didn't know how to talk to her about it. They just say, oh, maybe uh, next time, uh, maybe next time. They was a little scared that maybe she'd get in there and she would harm the baby. Maybe slap the baby up, shake the baby. So they say, no, 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 no. And as some time went on, they began to realize, wait a minute, she don't seem to be jealous. We should probably, you know, give it a chance. So she was excited about the news, and she went into the little baby's room, and she shut the door, but the door bounced back, and it left a crack. Her parents went over to the crack in the door, and they were just curious to see what happened. So as they're looking in, Little girl, she goes and she walks up to her baby brother. She put her hands on both of his shoulders and she got real close to his face. And she said, baby, can you tell me what God feels like? I'm starting to forget. <laughs> you, you see, when all is well in our lives, uh, it's, it's, it's easy for us to get that we actually need God's presence. 
Have you ever gone a day or so without communion with God, without prayer time, without fellowship, without worship, and you notice, wait a minute, I miss God. Something's different here. David wrote Psalm 63 at a time when he desperately needed a personal experience with God. He needed time in God's presence. The heading of this psalm does not inform us of necessarily what is going on, but it basically tells us that David fled to the wilderness, to the desert. Psalm itself reveals that David was the king of Israel at the time, so it can't be during the time when he fled away from King Saul. It is most likely the occasion when his son, Absalom, sinfully attempted to overthrow his father. Now, as we approach the study of God's word, it would probably be good for us to pause just a moment and to pray that God would give us a passion for him in worship that is comparable to David's. Watch this now. Jesus said, when, uh, 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 where your treasure is, there your hearts will be also. What would it look like for us to treasure our worship? Here in David's prayer, David shows us what it looks like to have deep affections for God. Here we find two ingredients in a soul that treasures the worship of Yahweh. Two of them. First thing we notice is God is David's desire. God is David's desire. It is clear here in our text that David desired God's presence. David acknowledged the, the stirrings of his soul and he expressed just how desperately he longed for the Lord. In verse 1, David said, you are my God. This phrase emphasizes that David had a personal relationship with the Lord. God being rich in love and compassion. When we repent of our sins and we turn to God and believe in Jesus, Jesus becomes our personal God and our Savior. Our God allows us to, to reconnect with him as our creator. And we become sons and daughters of the Most High. Amen. And so David described his intense spiritual need in terms of his physical surroundings. The external was a picture of what was happening in the internal. Having fled for his life from Jerusalem, he stranded in the wilderness, a dry and parched land where there was no water. His chapped lips and his dried mouth was a symbol of his thirsty soul. Just as his tongue craved a refreshing drink from a cool stream, his soul desperately thirsted for the living waters of God's presence and fellowship. But not only did David desire God's presence, but David also desired God's people. In verse 2, it says, David said, I gaze upon you in your sanctuary. 
The New Living Translation does well to, to put into words all that is being said in the Hebrew text. It basically says, I have seen, past tense, you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Here, David remembers past worship. David remembered how his soul was thrilled when he went into the sanctuary, the holy tabernacle, where God's beauty was wonderfully displayed. Time and again, he witnessed God's power and glory when God's people focused on him in worship. You see, David missed God, but more specifically, he missed his experience of God during public worship. How he longed to enter into the courts once again and to sort of bathe in the radiance of God's glory and his presence with God's people. David got something out of watching others worship. What do you get out of watching others worship? Does it do something to you to see someone lifting up their hands, expressing gratitude? In Romans 11, or Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says, For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. You see, it's our proximity to one another that allows us to be strengthened and encouraged as we walk with God. Can you say, along with David, I desperately desire to worship God with his people? Or has your fire begun to burn out? Are you tired of singing the same old songs or praying the same old prayer? Or have you found there to be something special about this place? Not the building, but the people who gather in the building. Not only does David show us that God is his desire, but David's prayer, uh, we see the second ingredient of a soul that treasures the worship of Yahweh. It is here. God is David's delight. God is David's delight. We've already seen David reminiscing on uh, past experiences of worship, but now he expresses confidence in future worship. Verse 3, David said, My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life. So I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. David is confident that God would allow him to once again worship the Lord amongst his people. He's excited to get back to church. David knows that biblically, uh, the highest privilege that a person can have is to be a welcome member in the worshiping congregation. God has written this song to encourage its singers to 
treasure corporate worship as the gift that it really is. Some of us are thirsty and we don't know what we are thirsting for. And so we try to quench our thirst on almost anything. So we're having sex with multiple partners because we are thirsty. Every now and then we may snort a little cocaine because we're thirsty. Maybe you spend more money than you ought to because you're thirsty. And you might be saying, there has to be something out there that can quench this thirst. I've searched through all of life and still haven't found it. And so David realized that his thirst couldn't be quenched in life itself. There had to be something better than life to quench his thirst. And he found out that that thing that is better than life is God's faithful love. It's God's faithful love. David delighted in God's faithful love. As David thirsted for the delight of God's company, he considered one of the best reasons for worshiping God. His faithful love towards us. God's unbreakable covenant promise to a broken people. God's steadfast love and kindness towards us. His mercy and his grace. David measured God's faithful love as being better than life itself. In other words, to receive God's faithful love is to begin living life. Just thinking about God's love moved David to praise and glorify God openly and publicly and audibly with his lips. David understood that it is proper for inward worship to be accompanied by outward praise. So David vowed to bless God. He vowed to praise God, to publicly express gratitude for what the Lord has done. As we give honor and glory to God, it's all right for us to lift up our hands and praise his great name. Amen? David delighted in God's faithful love, but he also delighted in the God who satisfies. David was excited to praise God because God satisfies his soul. Verse 5, David said, You satisfy me as with rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. David says that God satisfies his soul like fine dining would satisfy a belly. You know, when I was a, a child, one of my earliest childhood memories is when we would uh, go out to eat after church. Amen, somebody. And uh, after eating real good, uh, one of the deacons, he would sort of rear back in the chair and he'd say, oh, man, I'm so full, I'm about to bust. My daddy would say, you know what? I haven't been this full since I ate those three watermelons in a row. And, and I would just laugh and just, just find that to be uh, so uh, funny. But uh, that's exactly what David is saying. 
God has filled his soul to the point where he just don't want nothing else. More than that, he said that it was also uh, delightful to his mouth. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. I wish I had somebody here this morning who, who could testify. Somebody that has nibbled on God's grace this morning. Somebody that has peeled back the skin of his love and has a bit into his kindness. Somebody that knows that his mercy endures forever. Somebody that knows God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Amen. And in John chapter 7, we read Jesus saying this. On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and he said to the crowds, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scriptures have said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Here, Jesus is saying this to the masses of people. Come to me and drink. Come and find your field in me. But before he said this to the masses, he also said this to one individual. In chapter 4, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman at the well, if you are trying to satisfy your soul with the water of this world, you're going to get thirsty again. Oh, you're going to get thirsty again. Jesus knew that she was searching for complete satisfaction in the wrong things. He told her, you have had five husbands, and the man that you're with now ain't your husband. She was looking for a complete satisfaction, sort of, in a man. And Jesus is saying, sister, you're going to get thirsty again. In other words, when you find out that this don't satisfy. You're going to go over there and try to get that. And when you find out that don't work, you're going to go over there to them. And when you find out they don't work, you're going to go and try some of it. And when you realize, wait a minute, it don't work, ain't nothing in this world that can truly satisfy my soul. All of us, all of us get thirsty every now and then. But the question is, are you seeking to quench your thirst on Jesus? Maybe something else. You see, when God created man and man rebelled against God, there became a chasm between God and man. And that chasm, we also experience it in our souls. It's an emptiness. And oftentimes we search for something to fill that emptiness. Something that will make us complete. But Jesus told the woman at the well, whoever drinks from the water that I give will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water that I will give him will become a well of water springing up to eternal life. The water that Jesus gives us is his Holy Spirit, which guarantees and seals us in satisfaction for eternity. 
You see, David lived during the time where you had to go to the tabernacle in order to experience the presence of God. But we got it good. We, 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 we got God living on the inside of us if we believe in Jesus. And so, Jesus lives in us. And we ought to take advantage of that. We ought to treasure our worship of him and treasure our worship with one another. Don't take for granted this moment of being able to focus on God with other people. So in the end, during the moments when you feel far away, when you feel spiritually dry or don't have that fire and desire for God, or for his people. We can always come back to him or drink of his faithful love. For he has come to the world as both God and man, and on that cross he paid the price for the emptiness in our souls. He paid the price to complete us. And he satisfied God's requirement of the law by living a sinless and perfect life. And as his arms were stretched out on the cross, he made a bridge between us and God. And if we cross that bridge by repenting of our sins and walking towards his forgiveness and his faithful love, he saves us. He allows us to come back to God. Why don't you stand with me and pray? Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.